Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Transform TV podcast series. Today, we're joined by Charles Brewer, who is the COO of Canada Post, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about some of the stuff that they've been going through, dealing with, and hopefully give us some practical insight and advice on navigating this complexity of uh, living in a COVID world. So, uh, Charles, thank you so much for being part of this podcast. Thanks for being here. You're very, very welcome, Maria. Thank you for having me. Well, it was a bit, bit of a surprise when I thought I was going to be interviewing someone from Canada Post to be speaking to an Englishman. So, hey, uh, what actually, I asked us- that during, during my interview, I asked, how would the Canadian sort of accept an English person? They said, don't worry about it. So uh, it actually works okay. I think my accent is sometimes gets me a hall pass on what I say. So uh, I'm <laughs> practicing my very regal and royal English accent. It helps sometimes. They must think that you're related to the, to the Queen somehow, I guess, you know? I, I may well do. They don't understand my humor, that's for sure. But, um, but yeah. other parts, it works in my favor, yeah. So, so Charles, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us what you're doing there at Canada Post. Yeah, for sure. So as you mentioned, Charles, English by birth, very proud of it. A huge Arsenal fan. If you could see it over my left shoulder, it'd be an Arsenal shirt. So a bit of a football fan, a bit of a rugby fan. Um, often referred to as an international man of mystery. So been to or lived in 111 countries. I have to think about that for a second. 111 countries. Um, Worked in all regions. I had 35 fantastic years with DHL uh, working around the world, which uh, afforded me some fantastic opportunities, as well as with meeting my wife. And I have two fantastic children. As we were talking about earlier, my two children are American. My wife's Malaysian. I'm English. It's like United Nations going through customs uh, at Heathrow. And as you mentioned, about a year ago now, about a year and a week ago, I arrived in Canada as an English, the only English person, as far as I know, in Canada Post. Uh, to become their chief operating officer. And we have uh, an amazing business here um, in the, I think it's the second largest geography in the world. Uh, We have something like 45,000 employees or upwards of that uh, really large business, which has only been accelerated and accentuated on the back of COVID. So it's been a challenging 12 months, hence my haircut, by the way, this is, this is, uh, and don't say anything, but this is DIY, do it yourself. um, It's not bad. Thank you very much. Somebody else told me that the other day as well. I even offered to charge people to do to do theirs. But um, we've just coming out of out of lockdown. I did this about a week or two weeks ago. So we're just coming out of lockdown now. So I regret that slightly. But um, anyway, it is what it is. Well, it's all about simplifying, streamlining and simplifying, it is. isn't it? It is. You know, take a leaf out of Facebook, you know, one T-shirt and away you go. So, uh, so you yeah, know, I agree. I exactly. Think it, it definitely helps. That's for sure. So so let's let's get into, you know, what you guys do. The, um, uh, the fact of the matter is that even before COVID, e-commerce was taken off in a big way, right? The, 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 the way that we shop, the way that consumers engage um, was really changing the face of commerce in general uh, at a very fast pace. Here comes COVID. And I know I can speak because, you know, volumes about this. I've got Amazon boxes everywhere. I've got boxes. I've been shopping like crazy. Uh, but, I mean, did, you couldn't have seen this coming. So how prepared were you as an organization? And I know you've only been there a year, but what's it been like this year? Uh, yeah, hence the haircut. It's been rather stressful, to say the least. But I mean, perhaps to just take one or two steps backwards. So to your question around, you know, e-commerce was there beforehand. So, and again, I'm talking about postal operators in general. So the, the, all postal operators across 220 countries uh, worldwide are at various varying degrees of their transformation and uh, at a tipping point. So that, that's been coming for a long time. So, you know, again, I won't ask you, but I often ask when was the last letter you wrote? So mail volumes 
are sort of have been declining globally. Uh, anything between sort of one percent positive to through, through to thirty three percent negative, depending on which postal operator you look at. So, mail volumes, a core business that you know why we exist in the first place. The horses going across the prairies, even here in the Rockies in Canada too, with the mail must get through. That that's been uh, declining for some time at ver- sort of varying uh, different speeds. And on the other hand, you've got this really fast and rapid growth in parcels. So even pre-COVID, uh, e-commerce parcels, Amazon, by the way, I'll put my wife up against you any day of the week. She's an Olympian <laughs> shopper. Um, but anyway, um, parcel volume, uh, because of people like you and my wife have been growing at uh, an accelerated rate, you know, even pre-COVID. In fact, statistically, and this is a really you know, fantastic sort of thought process, which is it pre-COVID around about eight percent this is globally around about eight or nine percent globally of what was being bought was being bought online so even though it represented you know millions of parcels every single day globally it was still fairly low penetration and what covid has done has accelerated that online behavior by and depending on who you read you'll get different answers but my guess is it's anything between three and four years Um, and to give your viewers an example or listeners an example of that um on one particular Monday in May, we did the volume on that Monday that we had predicted and forecasted to do in 2029. So it had advanced our volumes by nine years. Wow. Um, and that's number one. Number two, it advanced those volumes fundamentally on the same infrastructure that we had pre-COVID. So you got exactly the yeah. same infrastructure, but with, you know, in, in the early days, 80 or 90% growth in parcel volume year over year. And we were um, dealing with keeping our people safe. That was the priority number one is keep our people mm-hmm. safe. So you've got social distancing, a phrase we're all now very familiar with, or physical distancing. You have all the productivity issues that drives. We had absenteeism, people at home are on at risk, all sorts of things. So you had massive more volume. We had a same infrastructure, less people, less productivity equals problem um, for any logistics operator. And I was uh, talking to somebody about this the other day one last one I'd add into that mix, which is for some reason, and maybe Maria, you're one of those people, people started ordering some really weird stuff that they wouldn't normally order. So we were getting barbecue sets, uh, canoes coming through the system. Uh, we even had a tree being shipped uh, during really? that period. Why people at home would suddenly want a canoe or a barbecue well, set or a tree? Um, as you know, there's, you know, in any e-commerce person can tell you, there was it, some of these things, behaviors were hard to predict, weren't they? I mean, you know, the, maybe psychologists will write about this years to come about the uh, shopping exactly. trends and behaviors of people during lockdown. It's staggering. And, and you got, so you got all these sort of different sort of dimensions that were, and to your, so to your question, mm-hmm. it meant that we had a really, really tough year. Um, but I'm super yeah. proud of the Canada Post team. They did an amazing job. The mail and parcel must always get through. So they did, and they really did. They work, we work 24, we've been doing it for a year plus because we're still in it right now. Um, yeah. Working 24 seven for the last sort of uh, 12 or 13 months. So really outstanding. And to your question, were we prepared? Nope. Um, mm-hmm. We had business continuity plans like any other company uh, for pandemics and all sorts of other things. But in reality, we went through sort of three phases. You know, the first phase was complete chaos. Um, so I remember, I remember, this is true. I remember flying yeah, back from yeah. Vancouver. Um, I'd just been over in Vancouver at the rugby sevens with 50,000, enjoy your tea, by the way, with 50,000 yeah. people in the stadium, um, where no one cared about physical distancing to getting into yeah. a room on the Monday morning saying, Hey, we've got a situation on our hands. But, um, so you had that sort of initial chaos of, you know, not knowing the answers, not knowing the answers to questions, dealing with situations that we'd never dealt with before. 
Then you go through a second phase where you start to become more comfortable with the situation. I'm sure you've you experienced it in your own life where you yeah. become less worried about the distance. You become less concerned about the volume going up and down on a particular day. You get less worried about the tree or the barbecue set or the canoe. So you become a little bit more accustomed to the new processes you put in place. And then you move into a third um, phase, which I th would suggest Canada Post is in now, which is all about how do we orientate the company to what is, you know, the likely um, sort of future uh, position for, for Canada. So um, that's kind of where we're at now. It's all about how do we make sure that we take all the lessons learned through the last 12 and 13 months. Um, and, and COVID hasn't been all bad. It's, it's accelerated digital transformation. So how do we take all of those lessons and build that into our strategy as we go forward? And it's really the answer, the short answer, it's advanced many of the things we had planned for sort of five or six or seven years time to today. And that's kind of what I spend most of my, and I'm not cutting my hair. I spend most of my time making sure my people are safe, making sure the service continues as best it can, and then really orientating to what our customers want uh, going forward. That's, that's most of my time. To be honest, it would have shocked me if you'd said that you were prepared because no one was prepared. And I remember very much what it looked like in the, uh, you know, sort of deer caught in headlight looks that everyone I interviewed had in the first few weeks, you know, when, uh, when things started to happen. Um, I, I agree with you. I think, I think you're right. I think there was, there were several phases, you know, and now uh, I was speaking with someone today who said, well, you know, everybody keeps talking about the post COVID world. We're not in the post COVID world. We're still in the COVID world. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to predict what's, what's happening, but I, I agree with you, despite the fact that it's been, you know, difficult and terrible for a lot of people. Uh, you can't take that, you know, the deaths, the illnesses, the how overwhelming it has been. Having said that, some good has come of this. For instance, um, the digital transformation, the COVID, the great digital accelerator, mm. um, the um, positioning of the supply chain and logistics, you know, function within a business coming to a more strategic position. Uh, that seems to have changed as well. And uh, I think also the, it's getting people to think about resilience and agility has been something that uh, you know, people are thinking about too. How, how has your team changed or how have they changed maybe in terms of the infrastructure without giving us you know, too many trade yeah, secrets or sure, anything, sure. but you know, uh, has it fundamentally changed the way that you manage them on a day-to-day -day basis um, over this period? Yeah, I think, um, you know, again, and again, I think your point around COVID and the negative side of it, look, I don't want to diminish that in any way, shape or uh, um, any any circumstance. I think it's been a terrible thing. And let's hope the vaccinations, by the way, UK is doing an outstanding job uh, on vaccinations, yeah. but uh, let's hope they get out there as quickly as possible. And we see those R rates coming down like we're seeing in Israel and other places super fast. Mm. I mean, hopefully we can get back to a level of normality where we can meet in person. Yes. Because there are, there are some things that are not so great. But um, to, to your point, and, you know, again, in terms of how has it changed, and I think it's um, going to change or it has changed um, professionally and personally our lives forever. I, I don't know that, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you a few examples. Yeah. So coming back to the question about e-commerce, you know, you got three types of buyers. You got those that were buying already, yourself, Maria, my yeah. wife, who buy more, 
yeah, that's not going to change. I think they're going to, you know, why would you rush to go back and look for a parking spot for an hour on a category that you didn't previously buy? You're not going to. So people that buy more will continue to buy more. You've got people that never shopped online um, coming online. So lots of brands and retailers. This is staggering as well. That there were so many shops, brands and retailers out there that didn't really have an online presence. It kind of beggars belief, yeah. given that it's been around for a yeah. while now. But anyway, to the point. There is new category, new shoppers that have come online. So people have never shopped online, started shopping online. Some of those will go back. We, we estimate that that may be 50% of that volume may, that may go back. And then you've got the third person who was shopping online and now is shopping new categories. So um, I saw your dog wander past just now. So my wife, we have a dog. My wife would never have bought dog food online through a subscription model pre-COVID. Now she does it. I can't see her going back to buying it in the store. I just can't see it. So I think, you know, professionally and from an e-commerce perspective or parcel volume perspective, you know, to your point earlier, we're still seeing 40, 50% growth a year on year. Sure, that may come down to, and the forecasts say that it's going to come down to, you know, between 12. They, they reckon sort of e-marketeer recently, issued um, a number that said it would be around 12 to 15 percent globally I, i'm not so sure i think it'll be more like 20 or 25 maybe in 22 really? and 23 it'll come down so i think i think those behaviors and those the volumes those created oh, yeah. oh. that that's gonna just um, heard my dog bark yeah, yeah it's okay it's okay god bless uh, but anyway so um i think that's going to continue so that's why i said you need to sort of get your head out of the clouds a bit and work out how are you going to build the capacity and the infrastructure to be able to support that demand going forward. So that's number one. Personally and professionally, I think to your question, um, we've had to deal with how do you manage people very remotely. I'm a really out in the field leader and I, I, everybody says that, but genuinely, I, I don't like being in the office. I don't like being in meetings. I'd much rather be on the front line with the operators, with the delivery agents, in the sort centers, seeing packets, seeing parcels. I've done that my whole life. It's what, it's what, I, what I enjoy. So having to sit behind a laptop and do it is beyond painful that you wouldn't appreciate necessarily. So, But, but are you going to go back to, are you going to go back to, um, yes, I'm sure you're going to go back to visiting, you know, to being on the front lines and stuff, but are you going to do it as often as you did before? You know, are you going to be I personally as hands-on? I personally will definitely be out in the field as much as I possibly can be. I think, you know, again, I'm mean, not sort of distracting too much for the whole interview. I think there are going to be changes in terms of people questioning the need. Um, yeah. Not in terms of what I do, but, in, you know, do you really need to have 400 people in a conference room to kick off the year? Or can you do it as we've done this year virtually? Um, does it really change anyone's life? You know, so I think there's going to be a lot more questions around what you do professionally and personally. Um, yeah. you know, I was talking to somebody earlier on from a personal perspective that I think COVID has taught us to value what we do with our time. Um, yes. you know, working from home sounds like a blessing. Somebody said to you, you can work at home for the next year. Two years ago, you probably said, fantastic, I'll, I'll take that. Two years into it, we were kind of like, yeah, not so much, really. I'd like to go and have a, a meeting with real people and uh, sit in a room with post-it notes, you know. So mm. some stuff will come back, some stuff will go away. But I reckon we'll definitely be questioning, you know, working in the office versus work anywhere. There's a lot of questions that we're working through as an organization. How do we use the situation to our collective advantage for our people, for our customers, for the service and for our fiscal position. So, you know, I think that, I think uh, we've had lots of discussions around what has it changed? What does, what questions does it pose and how do we want to operate on whatever the other side looks like to your earlier point? Let's talk about technology for a second. You know, you guys have, I mean, we talked about just now uh, digital transformation, COVID being the great uh, accelerator for that. 
what exciting things have you guys been doing in uh, in this space? And um, is there more happening? I mean, are, you know, what what can you tell us about your digital transformation journey? If you're in the technology logistics technology business, whether that be automation, workforce management, telematics, and a whole rake of other things, you must be the happiest person on the planet in some respects. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure they're getting phone calls from everybody saying, "Hey, we want to accelerate." what we were thinking about and do it on Monday morning. And, and it's no, no different for Canada Post. So going back to the premise that it's all about how do we create a great place to work, a healthy and safe place to work? How do we create the capacity and the service levels that our customers want? How do we delight our customers? And how do we create a better fiscal position? We're looking at every, turning over every single uh, lid and saying, okay, what can we do and what technology can we use to provide a better solution to any of those mousetrap questions. And so things like, um, and as I mentioned earlier on, we have physical distancing still in our, we yeah. have uh, three very large sort facilities, 18 in total. Um, but the three largest ones, um, we're looking at what sort of uh, automation do we want to use in those that creates incremental capacity uh, for the demand that's out there. So back to the point I mentioned earlier, we have the same infrastructure, but 40% growth year on year in parcel volume. So what, what sort of equipment is out there? What robotic robotics are out there that we can use, AGVs and many other things besides, that we can use in our existing four walls to create um, the capacity that our customers want. We're also looking, I mean, in the same breath, I hasten to add, just, just before I get 100 phone calls and emails tomorrow morning from suppliers, getting more out of our existing system. So we, we already have a fantastic infrastructure and we had a fantastic infrastructure, but we know there's anything between 15 and 20% upside if we can get greater productivity out of our existing uh, existing automated automation uh, system. So we're working really, really hard on that. And then lots of other exciting things. I always get asked about drones and all sorts of other things. So we're looking at, again, I, you know, COVID you know, gives and it takes away. So another area that I think has accelerated over the last year or so is the, um, the need for greener solutions. So we're yep. working hard on how you know, we're looking at sort of the urban consumer, and which you're not any longer probably an urban consumer. You're a rural consumer now, which is a good Damn question now. in itself, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question in itself, actually. Does does the consumer, you know, where they're based, does it move out of the cities? That's that's another interesting question. Uh, and that's going to change with. anyway. I mean, you know, they're talking about a, a different type of sort of the. I don't even know what the word is. It's, you know, not urbanization, ruralization again, suburbanization, yeah, real, whatever it'll be. Which is a complete contradiction to what it was about a year or two years ago. So, yeah. you know, again, and I don't know the answer to that. I'm not clever enough. But to the point, uh, municipalities, you know, Montreal's, Vancouver's, Toronto's, Ottawa are saying more and more, we want a different mousetrap on how you come into our cities. You know, we want greener, greener vehicles, yeah. not five different color vehicles coming in just one so we're looking at lockers um and you know the consumer wants that sort of convenience and choice too so lockers e-cargo bikes which were on our, which were on our agenda but a few years out we're going to do a pilot in montreal this year um uh, electric vehicles and many other things besides so again to the to the earlier point it's pretty much most of what was on our roadmap with a few workforce management, there's a few other bits and bobs, dynamic routing, telematics, um, a longer yep. list I can give you. But all of those were on our roadmap, but it's about advancing those and saying, look, what's commercially available now? What could we implement now that improves the lives of our employees, improves our capacity and service and makes our customers happier with what we do? Well, do you know, do you know what's, what's interesting is that um, 
I think being a business of purpose is something that's important for brands uh, today. And it used to be, I mean, I'm generalizing and I'm not speaking about any particular company or anything. I think it was something that people paid lip service to. But with COVID, it's as though there have been priorities that have been set straight again, you know, and there is a huge focus on companies investing in sustainability, investing in diversity, uh, investing in perhaps more localized, uh, um, I guess, business practices, you know, using more local suppliers. Uh, I know that you guys got voted one of the, I think, Canada's most trusted brand recently. Uh, So clearly you are looking to build that kind of brand and doing so because it's what your consumers are demanding. Now, here's the thing. I think this is something that's happening across the board and it's not necessarily something that is a nice to have. It's a business critical thing to focus on right now. What, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think you're, you're bang on Maria. So Canada, I'm again, I've only been with Canada Press for a year and a week or a year and two weeks, and but I've been blown away by the brand in the first place. So I think the brand was pretty strong in the first place and it was purpose and mm. reason and all the rest of it. But to your point uh, through COVID, one of the things, and again, there are, there are many, many, many that I will remember. When I sit on my porch somewhere in the world in years to come, maybe not that far away actually, but uh, in years to come, and I think back to the COVID um, years, one of the things I will remember, um, and if you Google this, you'll find it. Anybody who's sort of interested, you'll, you'll find it. If you Google Can- Canada Post cavalcades, there was this moment during the middle of sort of the first wave and perhaps coming towards the end of the first and the second wave where there was this outpouring of pride and love for other essential workers. And um, it, it was staggering, absolutely staggering. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cavalcades of Canada Post vehicles going past hospitals, fire stations, police, you know, tooting their horns, just this mutual respect for each other. That was one. And then secondly, you know, our purpose is all about sort of serving Canadians. That's why we exist. We exist. And Mm. the reason we cover the whole of Canada as we do today and go to every address is to serve Canadians. And to your point, pre-COVID, I think people like the post office and they have an affection with the post office but it's changed beyond recognition now there is now an absolute the reality and an absolute observation that it's essential and you know we had children coloring stones welcoming the post office uh, worker we had cards we had people that went up to our lockers putting post-its all over the lockers with hearts all over it i mean it was it was really amazing so one there was this huge amount of pride from our employees you know, our 60,000 employees to other essential workers, which again, I will live with me forever. It was, it was amazing, covered by radio, news, TV. It was staggering to see that unprompted show of affection for other people who are doing the best they can through what was a really, really difficult time. And then secondly, there was just this, this outpouring of appreciation that, you know, okay, my barbecue set maybe a day late, but I love what you do. And that's something that I, I think, so I think I think Canada Post and many other post offices around the world and many other logistics companies have a new place in society, which is, and going back to your point about purpose, gives us an amazing platform to go forward. So that's cool. It's very cool. I love what you said there. You know, it, it, you're absolutely right. I think maybe we took for granted, uh, you know, logistics and deliveries. And we took, we took that for granted, didn't we? There is now a very big place in our hearts, in our lives, in society 
for uh, for this service, this real essential service. Uh, and even if, you know, if we look at our lives in lockdown right now, I don't know what I would have done without all of the deliveries. I mean, right now, when you just heard my dog bark, get, what do you think that was? What a do you delivery. think that was? It wasn't a, kind a, of delivery. a delivery, but it was a delivery. No, but it was a delivery. So this is the new reality that we live in right now. This is a really big thing. Now, here's the thing. We gotta, we've got to keep, you, your challenge is you've got to keep that, right? You've got to keep that customer loyalty and that customer service and that, you know, so it, we've stuck together for COVID. What's the big challenge? What's the next big challenge? And I'm, I'm going to ask you to look at your, I say this all the time, I'm going to ask you to look at your crystal ball, but I'm not going to hold you to it. But what is the next big challenge for, uh, for you guys? I think that the here and now challenge, as I mentioned earlier, is building that infrastructure to handle the demand that's out there. So, you know, again, rightly wrongly through through the last sort of 12 13 months and through covid service for canada post and service for many other postal operators and logistics operators has obviously declined just because of the sheer weight of volume that's been coming through but to your point the majority of canadians the majority of consumers around the world have a real high acceptance that it is what it is and thank you for delivering even though it was a couple of days late my barbecue set or whatever it is you've ordered so i think there is a huge acceptance for that but that's not how we want to position ourselves long term so like i said earlier on i think um for us it's using the the sort of last 12 or 13 months experience whether it be across people service customer or our fiscal state to accelerate our transformation to be a very successful purpose-driven organization going forward. So the here and now is all about building the right capacity for the demand that's out there. And uh, we're working really hard on that. That's, that's the here and now. Longer term, who knows? I, I think the, the zillion dollar question is how much of the, the online increment, um, how much of that mm. online increment is going to stick? And you can get 300 different answers if you Google that uh, uh, here and now. Um, again, we, we've modeled it, but it's a hard one to predict. So uh, we know that our future is obviously packing and parcels, um, but we also love what we have in terms of mail and smart mail marketing. But um, it's trying to work out, it's really trying to work out how much of that parcel volume is likely to stick and then building the right capacity to provide a great service uh, for our customers going forward. So, so I heard, you know, I keep hearing disruption is here to stay. You know, this is not some sort of anomaly. Uh, there will be other elements of disruption, hopefully nothing like this, but, you know, maybe hopefully not a black swan event, maybe more regional localized uh, disruptions. Uh, how important is it for you as an organization to build in agility and resilience into your business long-term? Yeah, that's a good question. And I've heard that um, quite a few times that sort of agility is here to stay. I think agility was already already here, if I'm honest. Um, that's number one. I, I, I guess, again, I think the difference now versus, say, a year and a half, if you'd asked me the question a year and a half ago, we would have talked about everything in the future, everything in the future. So mm -hmm. who are going to be your new competitors? Oh, in five or 10 years, it could be X, Y, and Z. Um, what are you going to do in automation? Oh, we're going to do this. What are you doing around autonomous vehicles? Oh, five or 10 years time, we might do this. I think the difference is that it's kind of on our doorstep now. Um, and so there was a pressing need for us to adapt to the new pretty quickly, um, and as it is for many other postal operators, as I said earlier. Um, in, and, and I think by definition, many of the things that we, as I said earlier on, that we've learned over the last 12 or 13 months sort of revolve around that sort of uh, agility, result, revolve around resilience. So I'm guessing and hoping that those don't necessarily go away. So again, if I take a real life example and just a simple, simplistic one in terms of decision-making process, and again, if you can appreciate postal operators 
our historic uh, organizations with years and years and legacy of systems. And COVID, obviously, we had to make decisions on the fly pretty fast. Um, and we're working hard to make sure we capture that movement and keep it. So I think it's more about sort of picking out the things that we really love about the last 12 or 13 months and keeping those and protecting those and saying we really want to keep those with us and letting go of some of the stuff that wasn't so good. I think, you know, given the sheer volume of packages and parcels you deliver, given the complexity of doing this in, you know, during COVID times and with an increasing e-commerce, uh, you're certainly a case study, you know, a, a very successful case study for what supply chain leaders should be doing to try to build in resilience. And I think, you know, just that that one stat that you gave me about doing, you know, that the number of parcels you delivered in that one Monday in May, um, if I take anything away from this interview is that almost that supply chain leaders and maybe all business professionals right now need to stop thinking less about in five years, my five-year, 10-year plan, and what am I going to do in my doorstep right now to yeah. the here and now? I think that's the biggest lesson from my conversation yeah. with you right now. And, and, you know, without giving too many guarded secrets away, as I mentioned earlier on, we had those sort of three stages of chaos, some level yeah. of uh, re realization, and then adapting to what's what tomorrow looks like that adaption phase which or adoption phase of which we're at we're at now adapting to what uh, tomorrow looks like is exactly all about that it's asking us some questions that perhaps we didn't really want to ask ourselves you know who are the yeah. right customers for us going forward you know postal operators typically open the door help yourself um and i think you know again because supply um also demand could clearly outstrip supply for the logistics sector globally um, asking questions like well, who's the right customer what's the right product do we want to be doing canoes or not doing canoes mm -hmm. do we want two-person delivery or do we want single? so i think some of the, some of that um some of those critical questions um certainly for us that's been a that's been a, a really key piece is we talked about them in dark corridors and behind uh, closed doors but now they're right out in the open because you have to um and similarly as I said, adapting, you know, when you're looking for sort of efficiencies and, and health and safety, you know, asking yourself some really hard questions around how, how, how much are we doing to keep our employees safe and what else can we do? Things like automation, you know, we've got these fantastic buildings up and down the country, but there's a 15, 20% opportunity in those uh, that can do a lot more. So I think it's, it's a lot of it is about sort of asking yourselves and being prepared to ask yourselves those tougher questions. Um, and then answering them and then putting and moving back. moving on and moving and moving quickly I think that's the last point and then again there are other companies who are watching this who probably move at the speed of light already um, postal mm. operators don't typically uh, so for us yeah. that's a huge cultural shift around yeah. how we operate with more agility um, and one of the questions you know again just to share with you when we had a one of those first conversations around how agile are we being um, and we said, right, we're going to be a lot more agile. You know, we discussed and raised the question, well, is the organization ready to be agile? Because um, there are a whole load, you know, skill sets, processes, you know, how, how do you have the capability to do that? So one thing is to ask the question. The second one is to answer. And the third one is actually to have the ability to execute on it, I think is a, is a whole different thing. So, and we're still learning. We're not perfect. We're still learning about how we want to behave and operate uh, going forward. But we've asked ourselves good questions, yeah. I think you're asking yourself tough questions and being honest about your answers. And I think, um, again, asking these tough questions, being honest about the answers, can we act on this? How quickly can we, what do we want to do? You know, so, so, so understanding your customer, you know, all, all of these things are very valuable, valuable points and certainly something that gives us an opportunity to reflect on what, uh, what everybody else is doing. Last question, any key takeaways or challenges, that, key learnings you've had for the past year? Keep smiling. 
Um, I think, uh, you know, <laughs> cut your own hair, cut your own hair. Definitely. Um, stop your wife going online as much as you possibly can. Uh, no, I think like, I, 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 I think we've covered pretty much most of it. I would just add that, um, you know, not, for us, it was all about number one, keep our employees as safe as we possibly can. I think that's going to be, and as, as you said, we're not, we're not out of COVID, so that's not going to change. Number two, keep your customer as safe as you possibly can as well. So uh, from a logistics perspective, they have a big stake in what we do. So make sure we put them front and center. And then thirdly, adapt to the new. So um, to your point earlier, as quickly as you possibly can, work out what's the right path and execute. Charles Brewer. Canada Post, thank you so much for being part of this podcast. And no doubt we'll be seeing you and, uh, um, you know, hearing all about the changes that you're, that you're making in your business. And maybe thank with longer hair when we get out of COVID. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Thank you very much. For those of you watching, thanks for tuning in. And we'll see you again on Transform TV.